Well, thank you for being here today, and those that are watching in the 11 o'clock service, thank you for being here today as well, and uh, Lord willing, I'll be back preaching live in the 11 o'clock sanctuary service next Sunday. Today, uh, I'm just spending some time with the folks down the NDLC, and I look forward to seeing you in person, uh, maybe tonight, but definitely next Sunday. Ken Blanchard is the author of The One Minute Manager. Uh, he's a Christian now, but of course, he hasn't always been a Christian. Uh, prior to his conversion, it was a pastor's comment that really got him thinking about Christ. The pastor knew Blanchard pretty well, and he knew Blanchard's bedrock belief that there is great value in utilizing business consultants. That was just one of the things that he really believed in. And so one day, the pastor took a different approach with Ken. He said, Ken, you need to call in three consultants that could really help you. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that got him thinking about his life and God's help in his life. And would you agree with this, church? Whenever you need guidance in any area of life, you can't find better advice than from those three consultants. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to ask you a question today. You don't need to answer it out loud, but I want you to think about the answer. When was the last time you asked God for guidance? My guess is it may not have been that long ago. Here's what I know about that question. Whenever you're asking God for guidance, there's always a decision involved. There's always a decision that has to be made. Which way should I go? How can I be sure? Lord, is this what you want me to do? And sometimes those decisions have lasting impact. Should I go to this school or that school? Should I go to Tennessee or Clemson? I uh, better not. <laughs> Should I marry him? Should I marry her? You always have those big decisions. Should we buy this house? Should we sell our house? Should I take this job? How do I handle this problem with my son? What do I do about this issue with my daughter? Should I have this surgery the doctor is recommending? There's all kinds of decisions we face in life. Thousands of decisions you've made in your lifetime. And many times, some of those decisions, I'm sure, have brought you to your knees as you sought answers and tried to make good decisions. Today, I want to talk to you for just a few minutes about calling in those three consultants, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, as you have to make some pretty big decisions sometimes in life. Today I'm going to invite you to open your Bibles with me to Jeremiah chapter 42, the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah chapter 42, and I want to talk to you for a few minutes about asking God for guidance. Jeremiah 42, asking God for guidance. Let me give you some background to the text before we actually get to the point to read the text. Uh, the year was around 586 B.C. It may have been after that, but it was at least 586 B.C. And in 586 B.C., if you know anything about Old Testament history, that was the year that the Babylonians came in and they conquered and destroyed the city of Jerusalem. Most of the people who, who survived that attack were taken as captives back to Babylon. But not everyone. Some of the people, a small remnant of people, were left in the city of Jerusalem. Now, to help you understand the impact of that occasion, that 586 B.C., when the Babylonians came to attack, I want to read you, you don't need to 
uh, to turn to the scripture. I want to read it to you. You might want to write down the reference if you're taking notes. 2 Kings 25 says this. Just listen and imagine if you were living in the city of Jerusalem. Here's how it's described. Nebuchadnezzar burned the house of the Lord. That is the temple. Nebuchadnezzar burned the house of the Lord and the king's house and all the houses of Jerusalem. Every great house he burned down. All the army of the Chaldeans who were with the captain of the guard broke down the walls around Jerusalem. And the rest of the people who were left in the city and the deserters who had deserted the king of Babylon, together with the rest of the multitude, the captain of the guard carried into exile. But the captain of the guard left some of the poorest of the land to be vine dressers and plowmen. So the city was completely destroyed. Homes were destroyed. The walls destroyed. The temple destroyed. Most of the buildings burned down. Then they carried away most of the people to Babylon. But the poorest of the poor, the weakest of the weak, were left in the land to be vine dressers and plowmen for the Babylonians. Now, a man named Gedaliah was appointed by the Babylonians to be the governor of that small group of Jews that was left back in Judah. Now, here's an interesting thing that happened. After he was appointed governor by the Babylonians, just two months after serving as governor of that small group of, in Judah, Gedaliah was assassinated. Now, the rest of the Jews began to fear for their lives as well. They wondered if they would be next on the list. They wondered if it would be them and their family. And, and so they were faced with this dilemma. They were faced with this question. Should we stay or should we leave? And there appeared to be only one place that was far away enough to, to keep them safe from the Babylonians. There appeared to be only one place that was safe from the long arm of the Babylonians. And that one place was the ungodly land of Egypt. It was a big decision. Do we leave the land God's given us and go to the land of Egypt? So, on their way to Egypt, listen to how I just said that. On their way to Egypt, they stopped at a place near Bethlehem. And they asked the prophet Jeremiah if he would pray for guidance on their behalf. On their way to Egypt, they stopped near Bethlehem and they asked Jeremiah, would you ask God to show us what we need to do? This is no small decision. This is a huge decision for every one of us. It is a huge decision for our family. We are about to walk away from the land God gave us, but we don't want to see our family die here. Would you, so would you ask God what we ought to do? Jeremiah 42 is where we pick up the story. Look with me, beginning in verse 1. Then all the army officers, including Johanan, the son of Kareah, and Jezaniah, son of Hashaniah, and all the people from the least to the greatest, approached Jeremiah the prophet and said to him, Please hear our petition and pray to the Lord your God for this entire remnant. For as you now see, though we were once many, now only a few are left. Pray that the Lord your God will tell us where we should go and what we should do. This was no doubt one of the biggest decisions they'd ever faced in their life. What's the best thing to do for our families? 
And if we go to Egypt, where will we live? And if we leave this land, how will we make a, how will we make a living? And it is a long way from here to Egypt. Will we survive the journey? Should we stay in the land that God has given us? Should we risk it here with the Babylonians killing so many people? And if we stay, will our sons and daughters be killed? If we stay, will our grandbabies be killed? That was the context for this text. On the way to Egypt, they stopped and asked Jeremiah, look at this question, verse, or this statement, verse 3. Pray that the Lord your God will tell us where we should go and what we should do. Here's the first point I want you to, to understand today about asking God for guidance. When we ask God for guidance, it is because we lack God's perspective. They were asking Jeremiah to pray on their behalf. Why would you ask the, the prophet to pray? Why wouldn't they pray? Because this is the man who speaks for God. This is the prophet. And in that day, he spoke for God. And so the best thing to do is say, hey, you, you've got a better connection than we do. So, so would you pray to him and ask him what we ought to do? Because we lack perspective on this big decision. You see, they had the same problem we often have. We don't know sometimes where we should go. Or what we should do. Now, if you were to go with me out into the parking lot right now and stand out in the parking lot, if you look in any direction, north, south, east, or west, doesn't matter. If you look in any direction, at most you will see a quarter of a mile, maybe half a mile at most. I doubt it's even that far. In any direction, you can probably only see a quarter to a, to a half a mile. Your vision is limited. Your perspective is limited. But if you were to get in a jet airliner and fly over that same parking lot at 30,000 feet, you would, see so, you would see any direction for miles and miles and miles because you have a different perspective. You have a much better perspective and, and you can see what you can't see down here. God sees perfectly, ladies and gentlemen. He has a perspective we don't have, doesn't he? He sees what we can't see. Our vision is limited, but his vision is not. In fact, in the same book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah 33, 3, God says, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. But God knows. God has the perspective we don't have. Sometimes I don't know what I'm supposed to do down here. Sometimes I don't know where I'm supposed to go or what I, can, what I need to do. My vision, my perspective is so limited. Where should I go? What should I do? And that's why we pray. We pray because we need a different perspective. We need somebody up there to show us what we need to do down here. And so we pick up the text. Look at verses 3 and 4. Verse 3, pray to the Lord your God and he will tell us where we should go and what we should do. And I like verse 4. I have heard you, replied Jeremiah. I've heard you. It's almost like he said, I got you. I got you. I'm going to do it. I will certainly pray to the Lord your God as you have requested. And I will tell you everything the Lord says and will keep nothing back from you. Now, not only did Jeremiah say that, he assured them, I'm going to pray for you. They then 
responded to Jeremiah's promise to pray. And look at what they said in verses 5 and 6. This is so key. I make sure you see this. Then they said to Jeremiah, May the Lord be true and faithful. Uh, may the Lord be a true and faithful witness against us if we do not act in accordance with everything the Lord your God sends you to tell us. Watch verse 6. Whether it is favorable or unfavorable, we will obey the Lord our God to whom we are sending you so that it will go well with us for we will obey the Lord our God two times. They emphasized to Jeremiah, once you pray, we just want to assure you we're going to do whatever God says. We just want to declare, and they declared it twice, we plan to do whatever God says. And they tell us why in that verse. So it will go well with us. We plan to obey God because we know if we obey God, it's going to go well with us. In other words, they understood the value of obeying God and God's direction. So like many of us, they basically said this, God, if you show me what you want us to do, we'll do it. I bet you've prayed that prayer sometime. God, just show me what you want us to do, and we'll do it. Now, here's the problem with that statement, at least for the people of God in Jeremiah 42. Though they said, God, show us, any, show us what you want us to do, and we'll do it. Though they said that, they did not mean it. You see, they've already decided where they're going. They're just looking for approval for their plans. How do we know they've already decided? Let's look at the text again. Uh, go to chapter 41. Look at verse 17. Chapter 41, verse 17. And they went on stopping at Geruth Kimham near Bethlehem on their way where? To Egypt. They were in Judah. They were in Jerusalem specifically. They were heading to Egypt. They stopped in Bethlehem which is not that far from Jerusalem, they stop in Bethlehem, or near Bethlehem, on their way to Egypt. They decided to pause to see, listen, listen, they decided to pause to see if God would bless what they were doing. You ever done that? I've seen a lot of people over the years make that same mistake. They expect God to honor the plans He had nothing to do with. They expect God to honor the plans He didn't make. Our tendency is to run and to do what we think is best and then ask God to bless our activity. We run and do what we think is best. Uh, we use our own reasoning, and, and you need to do that to some degree, but we run and, and try to do what we think is best. Then we pause and we ask God, sometimes beg God, to bless what we've decided to do. Which brings me to the second point. The real question when I'm asking God for guidance, the real question is, do I trust Him enough to obey Him? When I'm asking God for guidance, the real question is, do I trust Him enough to obey Him? Look at the text again, chapter 42. Let's pick up the story in verse 7. So remember now, Jeremiah has promised, I'm going to pray for you. And I'll let you know what God says. Pick up the story with me in verse 7. Ten days later, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Now, first of all, he waited 10 days. Why was he waiting 10 days? Because God hadn't said anything. 
Day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, day seven, day eight, day nine, Jeremiah was praying, but God hadn't said anything. Finally, on day ten, God said something. So he goes back to the people. In other words, watch this. Don't miss this. He wasn't going to just go tell them something. He was waiting to truly hear from God. Why it took ten days, I don't know. We're not told. But ten days later, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Verse 8. So he called together Jehanan and uh, the son of Korea and all the army officers who were with him and all the people from the least to the greatest. And he said to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, to whom you sent me to present your petition, says, Pause. Start the dramatic music. Everybody's gathered around. Jeremiah has been praying for 10 days. They've been waiting for 10 days. In other words, they've paused their trip to Egypt and they're, they're camping out around the city of, of, near the city of Bethlehem and they're waiting on God to tell them where they should go and what they should do. And they've been waiting 10 days. And Jeremiah finally says, Hey, y'all, come here, come here. God spoke to me last night. Let me tell you what he said. And they all lean in and they're waiting to hear the word from the Lord. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, to whom you sent me to present your petition, says. Verse 10. Read this carefully. If you stay in this land, that is the land of Judah, we call it the land of Israel. If you stay in this land, I will build you up and not tear you down. I will plant you and not uproot you. For I am grieved over the disaster I have inflicted on you. Do not be afraid of the king of Babylon, whom you now fear. Do not be afraid of him, declares the Lord. For I am with you and will save you and deliver you from his hands. I will show you compassion so that he will have compassion on you and restore you to your land. However, if you say we will not stay in this land, And so disobey the Lord your God. If you say no, we will go and live in Egypt where we will not see war or hear the trumpet or be hungry for bread. Then hear the word of the Lord, O remnant of Judah. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. If you are determined to go to Egypt and you do go settle there, then the sword you fear will overtake you there and the famine you dread will follow you into Egypt And there you will die. Remember the the initial question was, where should I go and what should I do? That was in verse 3. Would you ask God where we should go and what we should do? Where I should go and what I should do is, is an important question, but that's just the initial question. The bigger question that often follows is this, do I trust God enough to obey Him? You see, walking with God always comes down to two things. Trust and obedience. And the real question when you're asking God for guidance is, do I trust Him enough to obey Him? Jeremiah told the people, stay where you are. Just stay where you are. This is where God meant for you to rebuild your lives. Stay where you are. Don't be afraid of the Babylonians. Stay where you are. Trust in the Lord's presence. Stay where you are. Trust in God's power. Trust in God's compassion. Stay 
and obey. Now, let's be honest. If you heard those words, it would not be easy to stay. Not after you've seen the Babylonians destroy the city of Jerusalem. Not after you saw the temple burning with your own eyes. Not after you saw your own house burning. Staying doesn't sound like a very good option. Following God is not always easy. Following God is not always convenient. And quite frankly, following God is not always what you would do if you were doing the choosing. Following God requires faith and obedience. One of my favorite definitions of faith comes from Philip Yancey, who said, and I quote, Faith means believing in advance what will only make sense in reverse. What is the area of your life where you need divine guidance? What's that place in your life where you need the Lord to show you where you should go and what you should do? Maybe it's related to your marriage. Maybe it's related to your job. Maybe it's related to your children. Maybe it's related to a call to ministry. Or maybe it's related to something in missions. And, and you're asking God, where should I go and what should I do? That's the initial question. But the bigger question is, will you trust Him and obey Him? I remember going to a, a doctor. I don't remember. It's been several years ago now. And, and I think it was something related to sinus, my sinuses. And, and, and we were talking about the possibility of surgery. And he told me he could recommend me to a surgeon and all that kind of thing. And I was exploring, kind of talking to him about the option. And, and he knew me a little bit too well. And I said, well, well, you know, we could do that. We could go talk to that guy. And, and, and we had this conversation. Finally, he said, Keith, let me ask you a question. If I send you to that doctor and he says that you need to do surgery, are you going to go have surgery? I said, no, probably not. He said, well, why are we wasting his time? Now, he could talk to me like that. He knew me well enough. He knew that I was just talking. I really didn't plan to do anything. Sometimes with God, we're just talking. Show me where you want me to go and what you want me to do, and I will obey. But you don't mean it. Because obedience sometimes requires sacrifice. Obedience sometimes requires faith. Obedience sometimes requires you to do the thing that you wouldn't choose to do if you were doing the choosing. Which brings me to the third lesson from this text. The moment of truth, really, is when God's plans don't match ours. I'm going to say that again. The moment of truth, really, is when God's plans don't match ours. So, here, here's the story. Jeremiah has said, okay, I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask God for direction. He prays for 10 days. He calls everybody together. He says, okay, here's what God says. God says, stay in the land of Egypt and just trust Him that He's going to provide. Trust Him He's going to rebuild. Trust Him that He's going to take care of you. God says, stay. And God says, don't go into the land of Egypt. All right? So, let's pick up the story. This time in chapter 43, verse 1. When Jeremiah finished telling the people all the words of the Lord their God, everything the Lord has sent him to tell them, Azariah, son of Hoshiah, 
and Jehaniah, the son of Kareah, and all the arrogant men said to Jeremiah, You are lying. The Lord our God has not sent you to say you must not go to Egypt to settle there, but Baruch, son of Neriah, is inciting you against us to hand us over to the Babylonians so that they may kill us or carry us into exile to Babylon. So Jehanan, son of Korea, and, and all the army officers and all the people, watch this, they all disobeyed the Lord's command to stay in the land of Judah. Instead, they all, the remnant and everyone, they all left Judah. Every one of them. They were led away. And it says in verse 7, these, these heartbreaking words. In verse 7, so they entered Egypt in disobedience to the Lord. Even though the people of God had been promised that God would watch over them. And God would provide for them. And God would protect them. And even though they had pledged, if God shows us what to do, we'll do it. When the answer came, they did exactly what God told them not to do. You see, the moment of truth is when God's plans don't match yours. Our responses to God's direction in our lives reveals one of two things about us. Now hear this, church. Our responses to God's plans always reveals one of two things about us. It will reveal either a rebellious spirit or a submissive spirit. When you know God's plan, when God makes it clear, when God is very clear in His Word, our responses always reveals whether we have a rebellious spirit or a submissive spirit. By accepting God's answer, despite the fact that we may not understand, we are exhibiting a submissive spirit. But when we refuse to obey His answer and decide we know what's best, we're exhibiting a rebellious spirit towards God Almighty. Now, read verse 3 again, please, in chapter uh, 43. Read verse 3 and verse 4. But Baruch, the son of Neriah, is, is inciting you against us to hand us over to the Babylonians so they may kill us and carry us into exile into Babylon. So Jehanan and the son of Korea and all the army officers and all the people disobeyed the Lord's command to stay in the land of Judah. I'm sure they felt justified. I'm sure they felt like this was the best decision. I'm sure they felt like this was the best thing for their families. I'm sure they thought Jeremiah just doesn't understand. Ladies and gentlemen, you can rationalize your disobedience, but it is still disobedience. Verses 4 and verse 7 are two verses that ought to be marked in your Bible. Heartbreaking verses as they are. Verse 4, again, simply says, that all the, the Johanna and Korea and all the army officers and all the people disobeyed the Lord's command to stay in the land of Judah. And we read it, but let's read it again in verse 7. So they entered the land of, they entered Egypt in disobedience to the Lord. You see, seeking the will of God is not about your agenda, and it's not about your plan, and it's not about your ideas, but seeking the will of God is about His agenda, His plan for your life. 
And when his plan doesn't match up with your plan, that is the real moment of truth. Will I walk in obedience? Or will I walk away in disobedience? Thomas Aquinas said it well. He said a man's heart is right when he wills what God wills. A.W. Tozer once said, to pray effectively, we must want what God wants. That and only that is to pray in the will of God. The people of God faced a real dilemma, did they not? Run away in fear or walk in faith. What do you do when God's plans don't match your plans? This is where many Christians make a critical mistake. I want you to listen carefully. Please listen to me. Here's the problem. When you don't include God in the front end of your decision making, you struggle to let God have His way later on. I've seen this in 36 years of ministry. I have seen this heartbreaking scenario over and over and over and over They didn't include God in the decision-making process at first. So they're struggling to let God have His way now. I've seen people do it countless times. God's plans don't match their plans. And so they go from preacher to preacher, from church to church, from counselor to counselor, looking for somebody to bless what they've already decided to do. Here's the question to ask yourself. Am I genuinely asking God for guidance or am I hoping God will approve of my plans? Someone said the best way to approach life is to always write your plans in pencil but give the eraser to God. I think it's a pretty good approach. The people of God had a rebellious spirit that caused them to write their plans in ink and throw away the pen. And they paid the the price. So sad to read these words. They're they're marked in my Bible. So they entered Egypt in disobedience to the Lord. Listen to me. Not every Bible story ends well. Not every Bible story has a happy ending. And in fact, the book of 1 Corinthians and the book of Romans in two different places, it says the things that have happened in the past were written down for your benefit so that you won't make the same mistakes. Now, here's what I want to do today. I want to leave you with this thought. It's always more dangerous to disobey God than to obey Him. Michael Catt said this. He said, when we walk in the will of God, we cannot fail. But when we try to walk outside the will of God, we cannot succeed. C.S. Lewis said, there are two kinds of people in the world and only two kinds. Those to whom, those who say to God, your will be done. And those to whom God says in the end, your will be done. When the people of God left the land of promise and they walked towards the land of Egypt, here's what I want you to hear. Every step was a step further away from the will of God. Every mile that they walked towards Egypt was another mile away from the will of God. 
Which direction are you walking? In the will of God or out of the will of God? In obedience to God or in disobedience? Sometimes a dangerous thing to pray, Lord, show me what to do. Because once He shows you, you're responsible to obey it. Join me as we pray. If you need God's guidance today, I want to give you one simple piece of, I think, biblical advice. If you need God's guidance, just take the next step of obedience and let God take care of everything else. What's the next step of obedience? You don't have to figure it all out right here today, but what's the next step of obedience? If you want to walk with God, just take the next step of obedience and trust God to take care of everything else. Father, I thank You for the hope that is found in Your Word, the promise that is there that You will watch over us. You will guide us. You will provide for us. You will protect us. You will deliver us. But I also recognize that sometimes life is hard and it is scary and, and it's not easy sometimes to walk by faith. I just pray for these dear people, those watching in the 11 o'clock service as well. I just pray, Father, for Your grace to be sufficient, for Your Spirit to show us the way. And I pray, Father, that You would give us the, the desire and the ability to walk in obedience to you. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.